0: We got to San Francisco, and all along the way, we had heard about this movie, Star Wars, and, and I actually had an iron-on Star Wars where, where the last letters turned into like the number 77 that had R2-D2 and C-3PO on them, and my brother and I had matching t-shirts. That was Adam Bergeron, owner of the Balboa Theater.
1: I'm Jeff. Welcome to Story San Francisco. A weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Adam talks about his first visit to San Francisco, when he and his family drove across the country and ended up here at a very unique time in cinematic history. He goes on to tell the story of moving around a bit after college, and eventually ending up in the Bay Area, splitting his time for a while between Santa Cruz and San Francisco.
0: Here's Adam. I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, but we but I say I'm from Connecticut because we lived there more than any other thing. Um, Can I ask why you guys moved around a lot? You know, it was a combination of things. My parents were always kind of getting more education and so we always had to move. So mom got a master's degree and then moved so dad got a master's degree and then he'd get a job after the master's degree, then he got a PhD and you know, they just kind of popped around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would they they were In the healthcare business, and you know, there was there was just a lot of moves. Mm -hmm. But I went to high school in Connecticut, and so that's easier to to say. Um, And one significant thing I will say, because this will tie into whole San Francisco and movie theaters. In 1977, we were moving from Connecticut. Our first day in Connecticut to North Carolina, and instead of going straight, we drove all the way across the country. (laughs) And 1977 was a big year in America. Like they just had the bicentennial in '76. Right, it was kind of, you know, it, it was, it felt like an exciting time when you were an eight-year-old kid. Star Wars. And sorry, am I jumping d- the gun? Yeah. Well, and we were, d- we, we, uh, we, we left, I think, in May, and came back in August. It was a long trip, and we went to all forty-eight contiguous states. Holy! Oh, I in love a, your parents in a, in a Toyota Corolla with a Starcraft camper. Pulled behind it.
1: Dude, I and so we did I, a lot
0: of camping and a little bit of hotels, but we got to San Francisco and all along the way we had heard about this movie Star Wars. And and I actually had an iron-on Star Wars where where the last letters turned into like the number 77 that had R2D2 and C three PO on them, and my brother and I had matching t-shirts. We had that before we even ever saw the movie. Like that, it was like a phenomenon. You how were
1: you guys hearing about it? I'm just a,
0: a good question. I think at like the Koa Campgrounds people okay. knew yeah, about sure, it, sure. and every little town we went to, it, it was a it was all a buzz. And sometimes we would stay in hotels, and I think on the news, long lines. You know, it was a it was it was definitely a big buzz in America. And so we got to San Francisco, and I and, and I, my mom still doesn't know how they knew, but we. But the Coronet Theater was the one that were, was where Lucas had his premiere, mm-hmm. and it, so at this point it was two months plus into the run, and they were still selling out every night. And we got in line and got tickets, and we—it was funny because we couldn't even all four sit together in the theater that's how sold out it was and my brother and i had seats together but his was kind of broken and crooked and he was too young to read the crawl you know yeah. galaxy far far away crawl yeah. i had to read it to him but that was you know that was kind of the day that everything changed right you're I, you know i'm 8 he's 6 and you see star wars in a packed theater in san francisco where you know it's somehow it's special here you know and that so that was a big deal for me that was a big wow. that was a seminal moment
1: what inspired them to to do that direct move completely indirectly just to kind of just to do it you said you went to all 48 like yeah
0: I, you know my my, my dad is an interesting guy and, and um he has this he had this theories a lot of theories but uh, but one of them was it the eye of wonder as a child you you have the eye of wonder yeah. but if you don't open it up by the time you're 9 or 10 it won't open and so hmm. you'll seek adventure if you're taught to seek adventure, but you won't if you're not. And so he sort of was always kind of nudging us towards adventures. And this was the one opportunity that we had, and you know, your
1: ninth birthday was staring him in the face, saying, right, exactly. hey, "Get your kid out there before <laughs> right, it right closes."
0: Yep. Wow. Yeah. That so, is we, so, so we so cool. we just and so it was all the national parks and all the everything, but mainly the biggest takeaway was it was Star Wars, right? Right. That was the biggest thing
1: in San Francisco. In first San Francisco. run, you were eight. I was eight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: I mean, it was it was amazing. Two kids, right? Because I was a sci fi kid. I was a Star Trek kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and um,
1: Buck Rogers, anything like Flash Gordon? Kind of thing?
0: Well, Buck Stuff? Rogers came out in you know the movie eighty one, I after. think, right? Okay. So, but I loved that too. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, I mean, it's sort of anything that went along with that. I was, I was just, I was into it, you know. But but at that point, Star Wars is, you know, then you've got this like kind of dirty, grimy, you know, underbelly world of 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 outer space, which Is never the way it was pictured before. Creature cantinas and whatnot, right? Exactly. Did you
1: get in on on that trip and after seeing the movie? Did you get into the action figure stuff like right away, or did you? Did you ever?
0: Action figures hugely. Yeah. Yeah, hugely. Like in Toys R Us, like scouring the racks to see what you know if the Jawa was hidden behind. Yeah, the
1: the one that everyone has. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So that's Greedo, little doll. Yeah.
1: Um, wow. So you're eight and you're just, you're seeing the whole fucking country. That's yeah. Which was pretty cool. Insane. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you moved to North, North Carolina. Yep. Talk about more. So, Oh,
0: so, so, and that was, this is the, this is the seventies. Um, we lived in a big apartment complex in North Carolina. That was kind of neat. Right. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, and and, I mean, as everybody who, who grew up after the seventies sort of, gets told legend by those of us that did grow up in the 70s it was like a feral time yeah. you know oh, yeah. as kids you just left in the morning and you came back at night and who knows what you did during the day like you know stomp on a snake and you know like you did it you did a million little things that your and your parents never sort of asked what you did today
1: i like to think of it as like we knew how to get hurt Right, like uh, going out of the house meant I was gonna get hurt, but it didn't matter. Meaning, like I would fucking scrape my knees, my I get the thing on my, you know, yeah, somehow. But it was okay; it
0: wasn't a big deal. Right, and, you, and it, when you had scrapes on your knees, your parents didn't say, "Oh, what's it, what what happened to your knees?"
1: I mean, if it's actively bleeding, that's different. <laughs> but like coming home with like rocks, you know, embedded in your knees, that's totally normal. Yeah. As, as a seventies kid.
0: Yep, we we it, so it's funny because after. North Carolina. We moved to Arlington, Texas, and and uh, and I just so I I just visited two weeks ago Arlington, Texas Mm -hmm. for the first time, and it had been like forty almost forty years.
1: Changed a little bit.
0: Well, I'm I'm
1: from Fort Worth, by the way. Oh, okay, okay. There you go.
0: So I so I found my house, no problem. Mm -hmm. Found my middle school, no problem. But I used to ride my bike to Six Flags over Texas, yeah, you did. where the Shockwave. Oh, yeah. right. It was the first roller coaster in the world that had the double loop, loop de loop. Yeah, and yeah. so everyone had told me, "Oh, you're going to be amazed at how much Arlington has changed." But as I was driving in, I was like, "Well, there's the Shockwave, and there. there's my house, <laughs> and yeah. it all sounded the, the, the parts that I knew sort of seemed the same." But the one thing that was notable was because we used to ride our bikes all the time to. From our house to Six Flags, mm-hmm. and to a right acro- over the highway there, there was a place called Whitewater, which oh, is yeah. probably called something else now. Yeah, but it's like a water park, and and then the Texas Rangers played baseball right there too. Right, and they used to play in kind of a minor league stadium, and now that they have a big a, kind it of a was badass literally stadium. a minor league stadium. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I can remember that the uh, like, well, as as we drove, I was like, oh no way, the the bike ride from my house to. To to the wave to to Six Flags or to a Ranger game is a few miles. Yeah, you know, like and I was I definitely like we were, you had to go over the highway, you had to do all kinds of stuff. And as we were driving back, I was like, God, it's so weird that we rode our bikes this far.
1: And it was probably hot as fuck.
0: Yeah, like a hundred and
1: just always hot as fuck.
0: There was one summer where it was a hundred degrees for fifty six straight days. Nineteen eighty. Was that nineteen eighty? Yes, I had yeah. the shirt. That's so fifty-six straight which is the same number as Joe DiMaggio's hit streak, which always always sticks to me. You know? Of course.
1: Yeah. Wow. So I didn't realize about that that about you that you had a little stint in Texas. How yeah. old were you in the in your Texas days then?
0: Um, that was middle school. Okay. Seventh grade, and then into eighth grade, and then back to Connecticut halfway through eighth grade. Okay.
1: Um, so you finished out high school in Connecticut. Yeah. Any, any other good stories from from
0: uh, Connecticut? Great. You know, I mean, I you know, kind of wild and woolly. I, I, you know, I'd like uh, like it's it's a it was a little crazy in Connecticut too. I don't know, a b- bunch of crazy people that I'm still friends with. You know, and my brother who's still my best friend in the world. And then college. Can he and- read now? <laughs> <Can> he- <laughs> He's a He's pretty good reader now. He can actually. read if it's like a crawl. Pretty solid reader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like, would you say like pretty typical high school? Nothing really. I was gonna because kind of. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering like where or when um, movies like really took over
0: or, you know, right. Well, so, so, you know, I don't know. It, it, the, 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 the movies thing is funny because I love movies the way everyone loved movies, you know, and it wasn't, I didn't go to school for movies or anything like that. I just sort of had a general understanding of that. I love, I love getting lost in a movie, you know, quite often, even to this day, I'll see a movie with somebody smarter than me and they'll break the movie down. And I'll go, God, I never thought of that. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to get all that, you know, that nuance. Yeah. Uh, But, but, uh, but I, you know, I, I I guess I love just getting lost in the story. You know, that's, that's sort of where the magic is, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's a getting lost in the entertainment of it and going to a different world and, and, and that kind of thing, you Mm -hmm. know?
1: And I'm guessing like me, you grew up in like the VCR, the, 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 the beginning of the vcr phase and stuff like hbo and all that other stuff but nothing ever took away the magic of going to a theater no
0: exactly right? yeah exactly
1: even if there was, even if the theater was kind of like the shitty theater in town i always loved it
0: yeah well and it's a it's movies. you're going out to do something right and and, and it, 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 what's well, funny because if we're segue to the, the movie theater experience uh you know the movie theater experience is always going to die right every day it's ever since tv started it's like the movie theaters are going to die you know and and even you know just a couple of years ago netflix like oh well nobody's going to the movie theaters anymore except for that they are right every you know where where are you going to go on a date and how you know how you going to get out of the house and you know what there's there's a million there's a million reasons you don't have to get invited to the movies. You can just go to the movies. It's your choice. And it happens a bunch of times a day. You know, you can see this movie any any one number of three, four... You know, if you think about the multiple theaters it's at, you can see this movie ten times today.
1: So, like, after you graduated high school, what, what were you doing? College
0: in Boston, Northeastern University. And then uh, a trip across country where we were moving to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And with some friends... And we stopped by Santa Cruz, California, on the way, and I I just pulled in. I was like, "Holy shit! I, I live here now. This is this is crazy. Why would I live anywhere but here?" But I had already, and this is the late '80s now, so I had already written away for, like, literally written a letter and sent a check in the mail for this apartment that we were getting in Santa Fe. So I had to actually go there and do that. And. Santa Fe didn't, didn't work out. We, between the four of us, we got fired from nine jobs oh, in a super short amount of time. You hear like, that Guinness Book of World <laughs> Records? <laughs> like, everyone had at least two, and somebody had three. Wow. And uh, yeah, Wolfgang Puck fired my buddy James. That was the last one. That was, the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back and we left in the middle of the night and we drove back to Santa Cruz
1: you all agreed as a group you're like Santa Cruz is where we should we were should sort have of been. one
0: foot out the door already Yeah. Like, Jesus you know Yeah. and it was like bad decisions made by young people like oh, I God. had used my fake ID to get a job because you had to be 21 to be a waiter and so I just thought oh never realizing that you know there's numbers on those IDs that correspond to like official numbers and by the time I was going to get a paycheck I was going to get caught like never even crossed my mind you know and uh but back to but went to santa cruz and it and it was great like california who doesn't want to live in california and yeah. and it, and once you're here it's the best place what right? year would that have been that you 1989 89 you I was here for the earthquake yes in 89
1: okay yeah how was that
0: we were sitting down to watch the world series uh so a guy, a guy had come over and sold us weed. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Avi. He had like a very hippie name, and he was a super hippie guy. And I remember he had a fanny pack, and uh, and the joint had been rolled, and we were gonna light it up at the beginning of the World Series, and then all of a sudden, you know. Did you ever light it? Uh, n- n- no, <laughs> and it, it was a, it was a weird thing too that uh, we found out later. Uh, so somebody Avi's out of his fanny pack, all his money had fallen out. And somebody who was, it was a big group of people in the house. Somebody had scooped up the money. Mm -hmm. And, and I just didn't know until much later that somebody had done that. And Avi was freaking out because he couldn't find his money. But yet we're in the midst of this huge emergency and 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 I remember being like, "Shut up, man! Stop, stop, stop thinking about the money. You're going to find the money." But he wasn't going to because somebody had stolen his money, you know. Of so it was, it was weird. It was a weird thing. And all the all the dishes and glasses, you know, fell into the living room. And we it was a we, rental, and it was kind of actually, in retrospect, it was a nice rental house for for us. You know, I don't know why they rented it to us, but uh, <laughs> both chimneys had two chimneys, and they both kind of collapsed into oh, the room. Right. and then. Uh, you know, everybody in the whole neighborhood moved all their furniture out to the front. Mm-hmm. Everyone had small front yards. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just put our couches and stuff and everybody else in the neighborhood was there. And out. It, you know, and it, there was many aftershocks. And I can remember all anybody wanted to do was kind of get drunk the <laughs> whole time. And then there were those moments where you'd be like, God, I'm, I'm too, what if another one happens? I'm so drunk now. Or aftershocks. Yeah, because it kept thing. on happening. Yes. The aftershocks kept on happening. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm just wondering if that joint is still out there. Right. <laughs> no, I'm pretty and sure, maybe, pretty maybe sure it, was, it got smoked. If it was lit, maybe there wouldn't have been an earthquake.
0: Right. Uh. Take us, then, let's, let's keep going. You yeah, sur- yeah. You so, survived. Survived. Um, <laughs> started working at a restaurant called The Crepe Place in Santa Cruz, which I later bought um, and, and owned for many years. And so th- that's, a, that's a sort of a funny story, too. And I. But I worked there, and I was the general manager there, kind of most of the way through my twenties. Okay,
1: was it a great place? Like, so I moved here twenty years ago, and there were hand. Some of them are barely still around, but like they all had a kind of look and feel. The menus it's were not like at dri- all like those. Not at all. Yeah. Like that.
0: Okay. Not like a squat and gobble. Right. Right. So this is like you sit down at a table, you get served. Okay. Um Oddly enough, the 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 San Francisco sort of crepe cartel, it's all, it's a number of Jordanian families because mm-hmm. I actually worked at one of those too okay. at one okay. point. Crepes on coal, which is mm-hmm. still there mm-hmm. in Coal Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love, still owned by Heil and Darar, like awesome. the same people that uh, employed me in like 1995, awesome. I think it was. But, uh, Crepes the, Cartel. Sorry, the crepe place in Santa Cruz was opened in '73. Okay, and a lot of the crepes that you see on the on the menu boards, the colored menu boards at the crepe cartels here in San Francisco, are this are the same names as the one. Like the crepe place is sort of the mothership, the one in Santa mm, Cruz. And it's a, it was just kind of this old school. It had a couple of different locations. The earthquake destroyed it, and it had to move into a different location, which is when where I discovered it and where it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's coming up on 50 years, yeah. and it's a Sam, Santa Cruz institution. And, you know, years later when I bought it, I made a little music venue there, too, and we did 300 live music events a year, and that was super nice. fun, too. Yeah. So I had, I had, in 1995... I had sort of spent a year living in both Santa Cruz and San Francisco, going back and forth with kind of a job at each end of it, you know, um, and had an apartment in San Francisco, but but uh, just it, for whatever reason, honestly, it was just so comfortable in Santa Cruz. It was hard. It was hard to you know just to sort of leave it behind, um, but always knew that I wanted to live in San Francisco, always sort of aspired to be a, a city person. Okay. You know, but just had a but just, you know, sort of tough to make the transition, you know. Yeah. Um
1: did you are did you meet your wife down in Santa Cruz or I uh,
0: met my wife in San Francisco. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Yep, no, that's that's fine. And uh But like convincing
1: a girlfriend or spouse to move with you wasn't a wasn't didn't part of that, didn't need to,
0: yeah, God, and it. and luckily, she's a complete city person. She grew up in Brooklyn and then moved to LA and then San Francisco, so this is like the smallest city she's ever right? Lived right, in, right, you know, right, right. so so uh, and she's just complete city through and through, you know, she she gets it uh, in a million ways, mm-hmm. you know, and now we are two kids who are now basically adult kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're like complete city kids, too. right? Obviously, yeah. in 2002 in san francisco we opened uh 12 galaxies oh, yeah. which was my first business and okay. so uh robert levy and i uh and our wives um uh jamie and his wife was cat and um i had two small kids so we we opened a a, a music venue and we opened it three weeks before the independent opened and we didn't know like I sort of had we known the independent was opening we might have rethought our little <laughs> mom and pop operation some of my favorite memories are 12 galaxies memories way better than the independent but we just didn't have and no, no 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 nothing wrong with the independent yeah no not at all no independent is totally great but we we just did we were just a couple of guys trying to make it work with no clout, whereas all the other clubs in town were run by larger organizations that just had clout and so we you know we sort of made it just on sort of we had a lot of friends in the music business and we that whole freak folk scene kind of came up at the same time as 12 galaxies started so we were just kind of rode that wave and honestly it the history of 12 galaxies and the history of the freak folk movement are sort of hand in hand in a lot mm-hmm, of ways mm-hmm. but there was also a million other things like we just did a you know we were trying to do shows every night and so you're doing what you can do you know right. and yeah and it was the space was probably a little too big for what we you know for the shows we were putting on a lot of the yeah. time you know we would I, I i'd say i mean i often have said we were probably four sold out shows a month away from making it you know like it felt like it always felt you know like it was sort of working but in the at the end of the month you'd look and be like it's not quite working you know who came up with the frank Chu name well so my business partner robert levy uh had worked downtown before and and just had gotten to know frank a little bit and so we just ended up kind of hanging out with frank and asking him if it was okay you know, before we knew him, it was, like, nervous,
1: Sure. you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and so then, I mean, I can remember, you know, we, it was this whole thing. Like, we didn't have enough money to do what we were doing. That was the other piece. We had just enough money to, to get started and open the doors mm-hmm. and then just, like, lose them all, lose it. No one came for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know... To a customer, it feels like nothing. But when no one comes for a month, you know, the first month you're just like bleeding money. Right. But we had we had said from the beginning, God, wouldn't it be cool if Frank Chu ever came here? And then the first day we opened, we opened the doors, and Frank Chu was like the third person anyway. through the door, and he, you know, With he a would, sign, yeah, of course. And if you've been to shows, which you both have, yeah. Your you you're, Frank would introduce. He would introduce the shows, yeah. Right. He would get up on stage. There would be some nights where. You know, for whatever reason, somebody wouldn't want him to do it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we had him introduce every show, Mm -hmm. you know, that that we did. And uh, so that, you know, that was, he had his complete blessing. And so I was sort of... Very connected to Frank Chu for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He would crash at my house, you know, oh. like like we like I, I know, you know, I, I go to I just was at Frank Chu's house maybe two months ago too. Like awesome. I mean, he's you guys are tight. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you know I don't see him as much as I used to, but mm-hmm. yeah, I know him very well. It was seven total years, but Robert took the last three because somewhere along in there, at, in about two thousand and six. I started to get calls from the Crate Place owner, and he was he was saying, look, the original, he'd owned it for 30-something years, and he said, like, I'm done. I want to sell it, but I want to sell it to you. Wow. And at first, I said, oh, got it. that sounds great, but I'm busy doing this club thing. And then I realized, oh, no, this is a really good idea. I should do this. Bought the Crate Place, to, and, and, and I had worked there for many years, and so I knew exactly it had been floundering at the end. It was kind of that, you know, very sort of... Um, an almost a predictable situation where the owner was getting older and he just wasn't paying as close attention. It was it was sort of making it because it was much beloved by the community, mm. you know, and much beloved by our very good staff too. Mm. And uh, a lot of which had worked there in the years before when I had worked there. And so I just sort of, it was a, 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 a unique situation where I knew exactly what what needed to happen to make this place good again. The spark. And... Yeah and i now had all this experience running a music venue mm-hmm. and so i was i thought oh i can just translate i can move this down to santa cruz and it's it's the it's the perfect kind of town where it's a, it's a kind of a tour stop for people that's totally skippable You do it if you wanna do it, you do it if it makes sense, but you don't you you don't have to play Santa Cruz. Right. But if you hey if there's a good spot in Santa Cruz, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, so and and that ended up being completely true. And so a ton of bands, it was not unusual for years and years for a band to be playing the great American music hall in San Francisco and to be playing the Cray place in Santa Cruz that because of the economy of scale of the, of the size of the town, right? it just, it just made sense. And we fed everybody delicious crepes all the time. <laughs> <That does laughs> you know, had this big garden in the back. It's kind of just like nice. a nice little idyllic spot. And it yeah. just, it just, for whatever reason it worked, even though it didn't even have a stage, like it was just, you just played on the floor.
1: in like the corner of the
0: room. It, kind of like one half of a room okay. that was the bar room. Like it's, it, if you looked at the room by day you'd say there's no, that, that, there's no way a show could really happen right. here but then they do every night and yeah. they still do
1: Awesome. they still do,
0: yeah That was Adam Bergeron
1: Join us Thursday for part two when Adam will share his story of buying the Balboa and some of the theater's history Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald Film Photography by Michelle Kilfeather The show is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Hunt. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 100 episodes, check out all of our live events, and visit our store to help support us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a favor and rate and review what we do. And if you have any feedback for us or suggested guests, our email is storysf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.